Walking down the street, Jesus saw a, blind, a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, causing him to be born blind? Jesus said, You're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines. When the night falls, the workday is over. For as long as I am in the world, there is plenty of light. I am the light. He said this, then spit in the dust, made a clay paste with the saliva, rubbed the paste on the man's blind man's eyes and said, Go wash at the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. The man went and washed and saw. Soon the town was buzzing. His relatives and those who year after year had seen him as a blind man begging were saying, Why, isn't this the man we knew who sat here and begged? Others said, It's him, all right. But others objected. It's not the same man at all. It just looks like him. He said, It's me, the very one. They said, How did you get your eyes open? A man named Jesus made a paste and rubbed it on my eyes and told me, Go to Siloam and wash. I did what he said. When I washed, I saw. So where is he? I don't know. They marched the man to the Pharisees. This day when Jesus made the paste and healed his blindness was the Sabbath. The Pharisees grilled him again on how he had come to see. He said, He put a clay paste on my eyes and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, Obviously this man can't be from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. Others countered, How can a bad man do miraculous God-revealing things like this? There was a split in their ranks. They came back at the blind man. You're the expert. He opened your eyes. What do you say about him? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews didn't believe it. Didn't believe the man was blind to begin with. So they called the parents of the man, now bright-eyed with sight. They asked him, is this your son, the one you say was born blind? So how is it that he now sees? His parents said, We know he is our son, and we know he was born blind. But we don't know how he came to see, having a clue about who opened his eyes. Why don't you ask him? He's a grown man that can speak for himself. His parents were talking like this because they were intimidated by the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who took a stand that this was the Messiah would be kicked out of the meeting place. That's why his parents said, Ask him, he's a grown man. They called the man back a second time, the man who had been blind, and told him, Give credit to God. We know this man is an imposter. He replied, I know nothing about that one way or another, but I know one thing for sure. I was blind, I now see. They said, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I've told you over and over and you haven't listened. Why do you want to hear it again? Are you so eager to become his disciples? With that, they jumped all over him. You might be a disciple of that man, but we're disciples of Moses. We know for sure that God spoke to Moses, but we have no idea where this man even comes from. The man replied, This is amazing. He claimed to know nothing about him, but the fact is, he opened my eyes. It's well known that God isn't the, at the beck and call of sinners, but care, listens carefully to anyone who lives in reverence and does his will. That someone opened the eyes of a man born blind has never heard of, ever. If this man didn't come from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. They said, You're nothing but dirt. How dare you take that tone with us? Then they threw him out in the street. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and went and found him. He asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? 
The man said, Point him out to me, sir, so that I can believe in him. Jesus said, You're looking right at him. Don't you recognize my voice? Master, I believe. The man said, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day, making all of the distinctions clear, so that those who have never seen will see, and those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed of lying. <coughs> Good morning, everyone. All right, give me a moment to situate myself here. It is so good to be with you. It's so good to see you. Um, I just feel blessed when I'm here. Whenever I hear from Pastor Peggy what's going on, uh, your moment of saying invite, invite, invite this morning. Yes, yes, you get it. I love it. Praise God. So I'm. Williams, as you said, and the district superintendent have been for a while, get one more year. I live in Albion. My husband is also a pastor. He's the pastor in Albion. Um, and I'm not a morning person. I don't know how you get up so early every Sunday. <laughs> Your pastor understands me. Um, could we pray for a moment? Holy One, we are here because of you. We are here for you. We love you because you first loved us. We are here to praise the name of Jesus and to grow in him. May the words I now speak be words of life to all of us. In some way, may your spirit use even my words to help us become better disciples. In Christ we pray, amen. All right, the word of God. From the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verses 1 to 41. It's a long story, yes. It's almost the whole chapter, uh, but it's a wonderful story. It is such a life-giving story. I hope it helped to hear it read by different voices because it is so long, and there are a lot of different people involved in this story, and a lot of different scenes take place, but you have to hear the whole thing to really make sense of it. So one day while Jesus and his disciples were out and about, you know, the disciples were the guys who were learning from him. They basically lived with him, studied from him, every word, every action. They were out walking and they came by a blind man sitting on the side of the road begging. That's what blind people did in that day and time in order to survive. They begged. So as Jesus and his disciples came near the blind man, one of the disciples pointed at the man and asked Jesus a theological question, a God question. I mean, after all, that's why the disciples were with Jesus. They wanted to learn about God from him, learn about how to be God's people. So the question was, tell us, why did God make this man blind? Did God make this man blind because of his parents' sins or because of his own sins? I hope this sounds a little bit strange to you. I hope it's not a question you would ask today. Most of us no longer think that God is the direct cause for someone to be blind. We believe instead 
that it happens because of a faulty gene or a bacterial infection, a viral infection, something goes wrong. And thank God we no longer think that people are born unable to see or become deaf or unable to walk or in any way differently abled because of sin. These are not punishments brought on an unsuspecting person because they or their parents did bad things. But back in Jesus' day, this was a very common thought. And we need to know this fact if we're going to understand the story. So that's what people thought. It doesn't even occur to the disciples that this man's blindness may have nothing at all to do with sin. Their only question is, whose sin? His sin or his parents' sin? Take note. Jesus had a very different response. This man's blindness he said, has nothing to do with sin and everything to do with the glory of God. And then he did the strangest thing. Jesus spat into the dirt at his feet, got the saliva, made a mud paste, reached over and spread that mud across the blind man's eyes. I'm sure that Jesus had a good reason for doing this. The story doesn't exactly tell us what the reason is. Uh, something perhaps the people of his day understood, but I don't know, it kind of escapes us. Jesus said to the blind man, who now has dirt on his face, go to the pool at Siloam and wash the dirt off your face. Okay, now we've got this blind man. He's a stranger. He's been sitting by the side of the road. They just came upon him. A miracle is about to happen, but he has to go to a distant pool of water and wash his face. So I wonder, this is my best guess, did Jesus put mud on his face so the disciples could keep track of him? I mean, this guy's a stranger, but a stranger with mud on his face? You could follow in a crowd. Now before we go any further, let's back up and look at the story from the perspective of the blind man. Um, we are never told his name, so let's give him one. Let's call him Joe, short for Joseph, Joe. Joe was sitting on the side of the road begging. It's what he did every day, every day. It's what he'd done for as long as he could remember because for as long as he could remember, he had been blind. His life was very different than the lives of the other boys and girls his age. When the boys all got to go to school and the girls all got to learn how to keep and run a household, Joe only got to beg. It was the one thing he could do to keep from being a complete burden on his family. So there he was, sitting in his usual place at the side of the road. He'd been there for years. Maybe he'd been there for decades. Listening for the sounds of people coming by, holding out his hand and saying, hey, sir, ma'am, do you have a coin or two that you could spare? This time he heard the sounds of a large group of people walking towards him, and he heard them stop. And then he felt a man kneel in front of him. And the man said, this is for God's glory. And then Joe felt someone hold on to the back of his head and smear mud across the front of his face. I mean, what would you do? Joe instinctively raised his hands to push at this stranger and what was happening. 
But the man just grabbed his hands and said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash the dirt off your face. And that man stood up and Joe felt himself being hauled to his face, hauled to his feet. Um, he stood there for a moment, wondering what was going on, what he should do. Um, and he thought, well, what have I got to lose but the mud off my face? I think I'll go wash. So he took off for the pool of Siloam, which was nearby, a very famous, well-known pool of water known for the God miracles that happened there, miracles of healing. So Joe made his way to that pool. He knew where it was. Everyone did. He bent down. He got some water, cupped in his hands, splashed it on his face, and in that moment, something happened. At first, he didn't know what it was. At first, it was kind of frightening, kind of hurt, and then it dawned on him. He could see. He could see. He could see the, his hands. He could see the water. He could see the light reflecting off the water. And then he looked up, and he saw, for the first time ever, people, those must be people, and trees, and buildings, and roads, and the sunlight, children, old people. Um, and then later on, he saw his mom and dad for the first time. Can you imagine how overwhelming that had to be? No doubt, he felt tears on his face. He had to close his eyes. He needed that comfort of darkness that he'd had for his whole life to kind of sort out what was happening. Was it true? Was he really healed? Could he really see? And he opened his eyes again. And it was true. Imagine what the rest of that day was like him, learning to see with his eyes what up till this point he'd only been able to sense with his hands, his feet, his senses. Well, soon people began to approach him, and, and word began to spread that this guy who was always blind could see. Everybody was so happy for him, and Joe was ecstatic. Until the local Pharisees entered the picture. Okay, if we're going to understand what happened next, we really need to understand a little bit about Pharisees. Pharisees. They were basically religious lawyers. They knew the Hebrew law, our Old Testament. They knew it inside and out and upside down. That was their job. It was a very important job. They were keeping the people of God on the straight and narrow. They were keeping the faithful people faithful. For the most part, they were good guys. When they heard the news that a man had been healed of his blindness, they automatically, automatically went to the word of God, the Old Testament. And what they saw there made them frown, pursed their lips. They saw that there was no work to be done on the Sabbath and healing somebody's, of anything, healing was considered work. And it was the Sabbath day when this happened. So, that meant God's law had been broken. Now, taking their responsibility very seriously, they began to discuss the situation. One group of them came to this conclusion. Obviously, they said, if that man named Jesus were truly a man of God, he would have known that healing someone on the Sabbath was clearly against God's law. He would have given the Sabbath day the respect it deserved. He would have waited 
until the next day, a normal day, to do this work of healing. Since none of this was the case, obviously Jesus was not a man of God. That's what one group said. At the same time, another group of the Pharisees said, hmm, scratched their heads. How could a bad man, a man not in God's favor, do such an incredible miracle in the first place? The only kind of person who could do such a miracle has to be in good connection with God. So there was a split among the ranks of the Pharisees, and that made them bring in formally blind Joe for questioning. Who healed you? They said, I don't know, said Joe. Think about it. He didn't know. Well, who do you think he is? I think he must be a prophet sent by God to do God's work. Yes. Joe replied, but the Pharisees changed their line of offense. Wait, we know what's wrong here. This is just a hoax. You were never blind. I was so blind, said Joe. Prove it, said the Pharisees. Bring your parents in here to identify this guy. That's what happened. And the parents came in and said to the Pharisees, well, yes, this is our son. And yes, he was born blind. And no, we don't know why he can now see. Ask him. He's old enough to tell you. At this, the Pharisees changed their tactic one more time. They played the authority card. Blind man, they said. Ha, even though he was no longer blind. You get that? Blind man. Until we tell you otherwise, do not talk to anyone about this Jesus. And what has happened to you? Are you kidding me? But the formerly blind man, he stood firm. God bless him. He said, I don't know as much as you do. True. But there's one thing, one thing I know for sure. I once was blind, but now I see. Yep, that line from Amazing Grace. Was blind, but now I see. I should have turned my page faster. Oh, yeah. When I was a teenager, I used to get in trouble all the time for talking back to my parents. That's what they called it. Apparently, the Pharisees thought that the once blind man was being mouthy and talking back to them. They grabbed him. They threw him out of the synagogue, the place of worship, onto the street. We don't know exactly how much time passed or what Joe did. But he was eventually approached by someone he didn't know uh, who had another one of those theological God questions. Do you believe in the Son of Man? We, we don't talk like that today. What this question really meant was, do you believe that the man who healed you, who gave you sight, is the Christ, the Messiah, sent by God to save God's people? Yes, said the blind man. I want to believe in him. Show me where he is. <laughs> and Jesus said, don't you recognize my voice? Well, of course he did. That blind man had been spending his whole life recognizing people by their voices. Yes, he cried. Yes, I believe. I believe. And right then and there, he worshiped Jesus, gave him his love and devotion, and then Jesus said, 
to the Pharisee, to the disciples who were standing around, I'm sure, to the Pharisees who were probably not too far away, to the crowd, and to us. This is what Jesus said. This is why I'm here. This is why I've come to earth. I came to shine God's light and make everything clear. When my light breaks through the darkness, those who have been spiritually blind will finally be able to see. And at the same time, those who think they are spiritually superior will be exposed for the spiritually blind fools they really are. This is why I'm here, he said. This is why I've come to earth, to shine God's light and make everything clear. It's a story about blindness and sight, which is a story about darkness and light. We all know what it's like to be in the dark. You can't see what's around you. You know there are things there. You can't see them. The darkness makes you blind. Turn on a light switch. Everything is revealed. In the light, we see what's already there, what was just hidden from our sight by the darkness. Jesus wants us to take this very common human experience that we've all had of being in the dark. He wants us to apply it to our souls, to our deepest selves, our deepest connection with God. He wants us to know that spiritual darkness is a universal human experience. Spiritual darkness meaning we're not able to see the truth that is there. Jesus knows how we grope around trying to figure out who we are, trying to figure out why we're here, trying to figure out if there's any meaning or if it's all just random coincidence. Jesus is telling us that he understands what it's like for us to be there. So he comes to us and he brings his light and we begin to see. We begin to see what has always been there, just hidden by darkness. We begin to see God. As the light of Christ shines within us, our spiritual blindness begins to change, to sight. The most wonderful things begin to come into focus, into clarity. Things of God that we simply couldn't see before we met Jesus. Things like the unconditional love of God, the amazing grace of God, the limitless forgiveness of God, the inescapable justice of God, the unstoppable joy of God, the perfect peace of God. We can't see these things on our own. They are just too far beyond us. But when the light of Jesus Christ begins to shine, we truly begin to see. We see who we are. We see who we are meant to be. We begin to see why we're here, that there is deep purpose for our lives. As we begin to see, everything changes in the light of Christ, everything. Nothing looks the same. We who once were blind can now see. Jesus Christ, the one we honor as Savior and Lord, he is the light of the world. He's the one who's with all of us by the power of his Holy Spirit, whether we realize it or not. He's shining his light before us. 
He's shining his light upon us. He's shining his light within us to take away our blindness so that we might see over and over and over throughout our entire lives, Jesus Christ shines his light. Every time we need it for these lives and beyond, he shines his light and he helps us see who he is. When we see who he is, that's when we can finally see who we are who we are meant to be, disciples to learners of Christ, students of Christ, following so closely on his heels that we begin to take on his likeness, his characteristics. We begin to become more and more like him. And by that, we bring his life to the world just through our daily lives, our normal daily lives. We bring his transformation to life, especially to human life, to those people we intersect with. We make his impact on this little slice of time and space that each one of us has that we call our lives. We help the spiritually blind to see the love and the light that Jesus Christ has for them because we once were blind and now we see and we see who we are meant to be. Thanks be to God. Amen.